My name is Jeff, by the way. I'm the lead pastor here at the Vineyard. And I'm excited to be preaching this morning, continuing our series where we're answering the question, does God really love me? Does God really love me? We're three weeks into this series. I think it's been a powerful series so far. Like I said, excited to continue that this morning. And our prayer really for this entire series is that we would grow in a personal experience and personal encounter with God's love. But that is our prayer for you. That is my prayer for our church right now that uh, we can share all the Bible verses and we can memorize all the scripture, but mental assent is never going to be enough. We wanna have a personal encounter with Jesus. That's our prayer for you throughout this series. You know, Natalie and I started having kids. This was our prayer for them, that we would do a great job of demonstrating our love for them, that without a shadow of a doubt, they would know that they are loved, that they are cared for, and that we could demonstrate that love to them consistently over time. And so we started praying and asking God for really creative ways that we could love our kids. And a few weeks ago, I told you one of those stories, right, where like when they would creep out of bed when they were young and you would hear them walking through the hallway, we would just start talking about them behind their backs, Right? And just sharing about how much we loved them, all these Christ-like qualities that we saw in them. And we would talk just loud enough that they would be able to hear and get all the warm fuzzies that this is what mom and dad think about when, when maybe we're not around. Well, we, we knew that we were gonna have to have other ways to demonstrate our love to them because we knew as parents, we were gonna just miss the mark from time to time. And we were going to you know, just shortchange God and, and his love and, and, and how we can reflect that. And so we kept praying and kept asking for other ways. And we came up with, a, with another way to demonstrate our love for kids. And this is important, right? Because we do miss the mark. No one ever said parenting was as hard as it actually is. I mean, people say when you're like about to have kids, you're like, man, parenting is tough. And you're like, yeah, I know. Just like every other thing in life. But they don't actually tell you, no, like hands on a shoulder, no, seriously. I know this is gonna be the joy of your life, but this is hard. I wish Facebook, I wish Instagram had a new filter, like a new parent filter. They have all the other filters that make your skin look perfect and the lighting look perfect and everything. They need like a new parent filter, which just like, you know, blow out diapers are just scattered across the screen <laughs> and spit up is all over your clothes. And there's like an audio that goes with it so that that one picture where everyone's smiling, you actually hear the three-year-old screaming bloody murder in the background. They need a new parent filter. But we, we, despite all of this and, and the challenges of parenting, the ways that Natalie and I have messed up, we desperately wanted to have uh, action steps and ways that we could demonstrate uh, our love, God's love ultimately through us to our children. And so we came up with this idea. You can take it if you like it. You can not take it if you don't like it, but just uh, keep your personal opinions to yourself because we are actively trying to do this. We, we bought a journal for every child when they were born. And what we've done in these journals is we've, we've just recorded stories. You know, one, two, three pages at a time. And so Kingston has one, Presley has one, Gabriella has one. And, and what we do is we record all the different ways that we love them in one to two pages, uh, stories at a time. And they're totally, it's totally private right now. This is a family secret you're getting. So don't tell my children, they're still in kids ministry. So I'm running out of time to be able to share this publicly. But in about 15 years, we're gonna hand these journals to them. And they'll be able to reflect back on the good times in life, the hard times in life, uh, moments that they didn't even know about that we captured and, and wrote in here to demonstrate our love. And you know, it, 
I share this not because uh, we came up with this good idea, we actually stole this idea, um, but these pages are also filled of mistakes. Mistakes that Natalie and I have made as, as well as, as our children. So we actually wrote every one of them the first time that they were disciplined. And we wrote a story about how much we love them, even though they had to get this taken away or, they, or that had to have time out for an extended amount of time. Or, and our, our love was demonstrated consistently even through the hard moments. And, and we've written about the times where we've sinned against them. Like, hey, we just dropped the ball here. We, we did not reflect the love of God to you in this moment. And we wanted to write a story to tell you that we are committed to loving you. We are committed to demonstrating that over time and we're sorry. Now these journals don't give you, you know, they don't, they don't give us an excuse to like not apologize in the moment or to not declare our love for them verbally face to face. We have to do all of those things. But the hope is again, as they are able to reflect back in life and look at these things that they could see they'd never outrun our love for them that there truly is unconditional love that we have for our children. And we wanted to be able to demonstrate that. And like I said, we stole this idea. We are not that creative of parents. Most of what we do, we steal from other people. And we stole this idea from the Bible. We stole this idea wholesale from the Bible. The scriptures, there's a lot of reasons why God has given us the Bible, but, but at least one of the primary reasons is because this is a love narrative of how God has interacted with mankind over the course of human history. If you start in Genesis and you read all the way through Revelation, you see quite clearly that although this story is, is about demonstrating all kinds of different attributes of God and the character of God, and absolutely those things are true, it is also a beautiful love narrative that no matter what humans go through and what they do, God's love is still for them. God is still in a holy pursuit to capture the hearts and the minds of his creation. And what's really fascinating about this love story is that it's eternal, which means that you and me, you and I, we are the object of God's love in this story. That right now, you are the object of God's love. And in moments that are amazing and moments filled with despair, you can look through the Bible, you can look through this story that God has written to you and you can begin to build your life on the truth that God is in pursuit of your heart with perfect and unending love. As we continue this series answering this question, does God really love me? Today's message is titled Breathtaking Love. We've talked about perfect love. Last week, we talked about perfect love revealed in the, the coming, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This week, we're gonna talk about God's breathtaking love for you and for me. And when we catch a glimpse of his breathtaking love, it just changes everything. It changes everything. Our text for today comes from the book of Ephesians chapter three. And this is a book that's authored by a guy uh, by the name of Paul. He's writing to a church that he had planted in the city of Ephesus years ago. And he's writing to the church kind of instructions on how to continue their journey and their faith in Christ. And in this particular text, this particular scripture, you're coming across a prayer that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. And again, because God's word is alive and active and eternal in nature, that means that this prayer can be a prayer for our church today. That you can take this prayer and you can make it your own prayer today. This is a prayer that holds promises for you this morning. 
Ephesians 3, I'm going to start halfway through verse 17. Paul starts this whole chapter by saying, I pray. Halfway through 17, this is what it says. I pray that your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This is God's breathtaking love for you and for me. And there are some rich promises in this text about God's love. And I've been praying all week long that together as a community and each one of you individually would catch a glimpse of this breathtaking love. My hope, my my prayer for you as we go through the service, whether it's through worship or the sharing of this talk, that God would begin to speak to you about his love for you personally. And as we wrap up the service a little bit later, we create space for you to respond that you will open your heart to receive an experience of God's love. There's a number of great promises. I want to work our way through them this morning from Ephesians 3. The first promise is that you can grow in God's love. You can grow in God's love. One of the first times I heard a message on God's love, I was about 20 years old, and the preacher said, if you think your love to God is weak, it's okay. God calls weak love real love. Just because you think that you have a weak amount of love towards God doesn't mean that it's not real. It's absolutely real. Everything that you have to offer to him is real. And he is in the business of growing and cultivating that love as you partner with him. I love the language actually that Paul is using in in chapter three. It's just so concrete, right? He's using everyday language to try to draw out these examples of what our life with God can look like. He says, you can grow your roots into God's love. You can grow your roots into God's love. Have you ever planted a plant in a pot and over months and over years, it's just grown up to the point where now you need to transplant it to another pot and you pull that plant out? There's just roots everywhere in every direction. A healthy plant just has roots going in every single direction being planted in the soil. This is a picture of what your life can look like with God. Digging down deep into God's love. I pray, Paul says, that your roots will grow down deep into God's love. This is a prayer from a, from a church planter and a pastor who desperately wants to see the transformation of this church grounded and rooted in God's love above all things else, above all things else. If you plant your roots and you plant your life and your heart and your relationships deeply in the love of God, this is where you can thrive. This is where you can thrive. You'll grow here and you'll grow from a place of God's love, not for God's love. So often we think that we need to hyperactivity, like have our hyper spiritual activity about our lives. We need to do more things for God. We need to accomplish more things for God. And if we do enough that he'll love us, but no, that is a life for God's love. Instead, he's saying, plant yourself deeply into my life, deeply into my love and live from my love, not for my love. And here's the truth. You you are going to grow wherever you're planted. And you will be planted somewhere. 
Like this is how God has fashioned you as a human. This is how God has fashioned you that your roots will be planted somewhere and you will grow wherever you're planted. So that means if you grow your roots into God's love, you'll begin to bear his love in your life. But if you begin to plant yourself somewhere else, you're gonna bear fruit from something else. And isn't it true that, that most often, at least for me in human nature and just kind of our own human desires, we oftentimes having a hard time, have a hard time planting the entirety of our roots in God's love and we'll pick some other kind of substitute. And I think for a lot of us, we've tried to plant our roots in someone else's love. And we've tried to draw love from some other human. Right? And so maybe, maybe it's your spouse. You've planted your roots in your spouse's love. And you just say, love me, love me. And you're trying to draw the love that, that needs to be in the deepest, most centermost part of your heart from your spouse. Or maybe it's your kids. You have children. You say, if I could just plant my roots in their love and just have this amazing love relationship with them, I could take from them. I could feel better on the inside. The problem is you are a finite human being and created for infinite love. And so when you begin to try to answer your, your finite kind of problems with finite solutions, that's all you're going to get. Instead, God has fashioned and created your heart to receive infinite love. And in order to have your heart most satisfied, you need to have your roots deeply, deeply entrenched in his love, nothing else. So many of us have tried to plant in another human. And the problem with that, there's two issues with that. One, you're going to suck all of the nourishment and all of the life out of that person and they are eventually going to run out and they are gonna burn out and they are gonna be empty themselves. And on top of that, you're gonna be dissatisfied because no, fi no finite human being can answer this infinite question that God has created in your heart. You tracking with me? But it's so easy, it's so easy for us because it's tangible, there's a human right across the table from us. There's someone right here in my life right now, I'll just attach myself to them and suck all of that love out of them. It's, it's always gonna disappoint in comparison to God's love. I think a, an important question that we can reflect on this morning is, is where's your nourishment coming from? Where's your nourishment coming from? This is basically what Paul is saying here. He says, look, your, your roots are gonna grow down deep. They're gonna grow into something and you will bear the fruit of whatever you grow into. So why not grow your roots deep down into God's love where you can bear kingdom fruit and experience kingdom love? It's the best place to be. It's the best place to plant yourself. And actually Paul doubles down on this reality of, of having this foundation of your life beyond God's love because he makes a, a similar point at the later half of verse 17. If we look at verse 17 one more time, it says your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. We covered this roots and growing part, but this last phrase, the phrase keep you strong, it, it's really more rendered established or secured. In the, in the original language, it has a lot of undertones of, of like a construction type metaphor. And so on one hand, you have this root and this growing kind of metaphor. And, and on the other hand, you have this construction or building metaphor that your life can be established, secured, built upon God's love. And if you live your life this way, you will stand the test of time. When the winds of life try to knock you down, you'll be strong because your life is built on God's love. 
I love this second metaphor that he uses. It actually really reminds me of, of my college years. I worked construction during the summer when I was in college, and, and one summer we had to lay the foundation for a hotel that was gonna go five, six, seven stories tall. It was just hard, hard work laying the foundation for a hotel that big. And I was shocked when I got exposed to just how deep we were going to dig in order to build a foundation for that hotel. I was shocked. And, and not only did we have to dig down deep, but we had to add things like rebar to it and create special forms so that the, the concrete would hold in strength with integrity over the long period of time so that hotel could 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 be built tall and ta taller, taller and taller to withstand all of the things that it was going to withstand. In order to build your life high in the kingdom, you have to be able to build deep in the Father's love. It's the only way to be secured. It's the only way to have that foundation. This is exactly the type of idea that Paul is drawing out in verse 17, that we need to allow the love of Christ into the deepest places of our heart, the deepest places of our lives, because it's only then that we'll be established. It's only then that we can truly grow in God's love. This is promise number one, that wherever you're at, no love, weak love, a lot of love, wherever you're at, you can grow in God's love. You can build your life and be secured on this promise. The second promise of this text is that you can understand God's love. You can grow in God's love. Now you can understand God's love. And honestly, when I begin to try to kind of get lost in my mind in God's love, it, it's mind boggling to me that this is a promise of the Bible, that we can understand God's love. And I'm not pretending that you'll be able to understand God's love in its entirety, in its fullness, but it is an amazing promise to us that, that we can understand even a piece or a fraction of God's love this side of heaven. And, and the interesting thing about this text and, and in this verse is that it points, it points to the fact that you can't do this on your own. You can't understand God's love on your own. It takes God to know God. It takes God's power to understand God's love. I mean, again, we are finite human beings trying to understand an infinite God with infinite love for you and for me. You can't do that in your own strength. You need God's power to understand God's love. It's, it's every time I think it's, it's shocking to me that we just don't blow up when he like fills us with his Holy Spirit. It's like trying to take all of the water in the ocean and concentrating it into one test tube. That's you and me. It just doesn't work. But God has promised us that we can grow in our understanding, that we can begin to understand and comprehend this unending love that God has demonstrated to us. If you look at verse 18, you can see kind of precisely what I'm talking about, how it takes God's power to understand this. First part of this verse, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. The first part of that verse we need God's power to understand this. We need God's help to understand God's love. And we can help each other. And, and Natalie and I can, can do journals and we can, we can do different creative ways to try to help our kids understand God's love. But ultimately, we are going to come to the end of our own understanding and we're gonna to have to just lift our hands up to God and say, will you help me? Give me a glimpse of your love. Help me to understand your love. Give me a new revelation of your love. 
Paul prayed this, prayed this to his church. I think this is a prayer that we could all memorize. God, give me the power to understand your love. Don't be afraid of 10 second prayers. They're really effective. Pray this prayer every time you get into your car this week. Drive to wherever you need to drive. As you get out of your car to do whatever you do, pray this prayer again. You might pray it 10, 20 times a day. God, give me the power to understand your love. And just close your eyes and pray that to God. Five second prayers over and over and over again will transform your experience of God's love. The scripture just continues. I love how how rich it is. It says that you can understand God's love just like every Christian should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love truly is for us. How wide? How wide is God's love? It includes everyone. It includes everyone in this room and everyone beyond this room. It includes Asian and African and Latino and Caucasian and Jew and Hindu and Christian and atheist. It it includes people with PhD levels education and people who are high school dropouts. It includes the LGBTQ plus community. It includes conservative evangelicals. Get this, it even, this is mind boggling, I know. It even includes Democrats and Republicans. God's love. It is so wide that it can draw everyone in, every single person in. But what I want to encourage you with this morning is don't get so lost in the everyone that you forget about how God personally and individually loves you right now, right here, this morning. Now, sometimes we can run across these verses or like I said, John 3, 16, the other week, for God so loved the world. God loves everyone. God's love is so wide. We can get kind of captured by this enormity of God's love that we forget about the personal ways that he loves us. And so yes, his love is wide and it will include everyone, but don't let that circumvent your experience of God's personal love for you this morning. How long? It's longer than your life. It's eternal. It's eternal by nature. You can't outlive God's love. God's love will outlast your pain or your sin or your mistakes. God's love is longer than your life. And for eternity, you are going to be sandwiched between God's beginning and ending of his love because his love is eternal. Uh, every, Every way you look, you will be able to be surrounded by God's love in your life. That's how long it is. How high? Think about the best moments in your life. Think about the best moments in your life, the best days, your wedding day, the birth of your children. Maybe the first time you held that adopted child in your arms. Grandparents, the first time you got to hold grandson, granddaughter. Think about your accolades, the times you've been promoted or you were celebrated academically. Think about the highest mountain peak you've ever been on. Think about all the most amazing moments that you can imagine. God's love is higher still. God's love is higher still than your highest moment in life. And then it says, how deep, how deep is God's love? God's love reaches deeper than your greatest moments of despair. God's love is deeper than your deepest pain. Your worst discouragement. 
your greatest loss. God's love is deeper still. And it doesn't matter if you dug the hole yourself and jumped in it, or if somebody dug the hole and threw you in it. God's love is there. God's love is even deeper than your deepest, darkest moment of despair. God's love will meet you there. And you can build your foundation in that place upon his love. A mentor of mine, Michael Gatlin, would say, you are more deeply loved than you ever imagined possible. You are more deeply loved than you ever imagined possible. God's love, the width, length, height, and depth, it's shocking, but the promise of the Bible is that you can understand it. You can begin to comprehend it and it will transform everything. It will transform everything. Third promise then from the text is that you can experience God's love. That you can have a personal experience with God's love. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and first of all, thank you that you can explore the faith here in our community. I'm glad that we have created space for you to ask questions about the faith and explore a uh, potential relationship with Jesus. But I wanna be the first person to tell you, if you've never heard it, that you can have a personal experience with God's love. If you don't know Jesus, this is a promise for you. We don't serve some far off and distant God. We don't serve a Zeus-like figure who's just up, upstairs in heaven with a big long white beard ready to throw lightning bolts down at you when you make a mistake. God's love is for you. When God thinks about you, he thinks mostly kind and happy and loving thoughts towards you. A few weeks ago, I said that it's God's delight to love you. He loves to love you. He loves to love you. And if you're here this morning, you've been following Jesus for quite some time. You, you feel like you have been following him for maybe 10, 20, 30 years. You're spiritually mature. Then I wanna encourage you to not settle for anything less than a personal experience with Jesus. Don't settle for anything less than a personal experience with Jesus. Many of us, over time, we have been content with familiarity with God's love instead of intimately knowing God's love. Many of us are, are content with simply being familiar with God's love instead of expecting the promise that's been given to us in Scripture. Maybe we're acquainted with God's love. Maybe we know some facts about God's love. But it says here in Ephesians 3 that the promise is that you can experience God's love. You can experience this infinite and unending love in your life today. Verse 19, one of my favorite verses of the whole book of Ephesians, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. It is too great to understand fully, but that doesn't mean that we can't begin to experience it. God has created your heart to experience his love. And, and so often we've allowed our lack of experiencing God's love to define our theology instead of the Bible to define our theology and then build our life and build our faith and build our expectations on the Bible. We can't let a lack of experience define truth for us. We have to let the Bible define truth for us and believe and begin to lean into the promises of scripture. A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite 20th century theologians said this, we have substituted theological ideas for an arresting encounter. I mean, when I read that, I'm convicted because I like to think about theology. And I like to come up with new ways to talk about theology. 
and explain theology. But I love this quote because he said, we can never substitute theological ideas for an arresting encounter with Jesus Christ. Nothing will compare. Nothing will compare. And I think too often the American church has lived this quote out. That too often we have been okay with new ideas about God's love instead of a personal experience with God's love. And we've, we've done this for a variety of reasons. One of them is we, do, we love knowledge in our culture. It makes us feel good. It makes us feel smart. It makes us feel mature. Sometimes we walk away from experience. Another reason we walk away from experience is because we've seen experience done poorly. And someone's had an encounter with God or someone's experienced God and then they've gotten really weird and we're like, well, I don't wanna be like that. So I'm just not gonna do any of it. I'm just gonna retreat from all of the experiential stuff. And sometimes we just don't have enough perseverance and determination to keep asking God for more. Now, if we can just like self-reflect for a moment, sometimes we've been captured by his love and we've asked, God, give me an experience of your love. And we've asked for like a couple of days or a couple of weeks or maybe even a couple of months. And then when we don't experience his love, we just stop praying and we, we resolve this idea that he just might not have it for us. He has it for everyone else, but he doesn't have it for me. Have you ever thought that? I've met so many Christians who think every other, every other Christian can experience God's love, but for some reason I can't. God's promise for you is that you, you truly can. You truly can experience the love of God. Verse 19 says it just so plainly. You can experience the love of Christ that was too great to understand. Are you familiar with God's love or are you rooted? Are you digging deep? Are you building your life on God's love. I've been praying all week that this morning God would show up in life-changing ways for some of us. And we usually have prayer ministry up front and we'll, we'll do prayer ministry and we'll do some of those times. Like We're gonna do it a little differently today. We're gonna create space where you can just position your heart before God, just asking him to give you an experience of his love. Because I really don't want you to live on stories from 5, 10, 15, or 20 years ago. I'm thankful for those stories. I'm so thankful for the way that I encountered God. It is like an anchor in my walk with him that when things get chaotic, I can say, yeah, but 10 years ago, I had this moment with God and that can never be shaken away from me. But I don't wanna just live on that testimony. I want a new testimony of God's love today. I want you to have a fresh testimony of an experience with God's love today. This is the promise for us that God loves to show you his love. God loves to show you his love. I love, and then verse 19 just kind of continues. He says, and then, and then, it's, it's not that just having a good Sunday morning experience is, is the end all, right? It says, and then after having experiencing, after having experienced this kind of love, you will be made full and complete experiencing the life and the power and the love of Jesus. Don't we need that? Do we need fullness in our lives? I mean, where do you feel like your life is lacking? What part of your heart is like, oh, 
I need, I need God to break through there. Oh, I'm just anxious here. Every time this happens, my insecurities flare up. Or why do I always get stressed in this part of my life? God says that the answer to that is his love. The answer to that is his love. I want to close this morning with a, with a story a story of, of a missionary that I, I feel like really helps us capture this idea of how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of God truly is. Anne Lamont was a missionary to East Africa years ago. She was a medical missionary, which basically means she went abroad to uh, do, do medical work in the name and in the love of, of Jesus Christ. And she emit, witnessed amazing things, incredible love. And she also witnessed some incredible hardship. But she writes of this story uh, of an eight-year-old boy that she encountered when she was on one of these medical mission trips. And this eight-year-old boy had a younger sister. Younger sister was dying of, of leukemia. She was in really bad shape by the time that Anne showed up. And so in, through, through interpreters, the medical missions team asked kind of the clinic and everyone there if anybody would be willing to donate blood to this young girl. All she needed was a pint of blood through a transfusion. Otherwise, her future looked really bleak. And so the doctors, with the parents' permission, they tested the eight-year-old older brother's blood to see if he was a match. And sure enough, he was a perfect match for his younger sister. So through translation, the medical team asked the young boy if he'd be willing to donate his blood to save his younger sister. And he said, I, I don't know. I, I need to think about it. I need to think about it tonight. And so they went home, they parted ways. Sister stayed at the medical clinic, family and older brother went home and he thought about it all night long. Eventually he fell asleep and when he woke up the next morning, he went to his parents and he said, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. So they went back to the hospital. They hooked him up to an IV put him on a hospital bed right next to his sister so they could look at each other while he donated blood, while she received blood. In order to calm down, he just laid completely still. He actually closed his eyes as they were drawing the blood out. He laid there almost motionless for minutes. The doctor thought that maybe he passed out. So the doctor came over to see and check on the eight-year-old boy and when the doctor drew near, the, the boy lifted his head, opened his eyes, looked at the doctor, and he said, when, when do I die? When do I die? Because through translation, see, it was missed. The, the translators didn't do a good job of explaining that he was only going to have to give one pint of blood. The reason why he had to think about it all night long was because he thought he was under the impression that he was going to have to give all of his blood to his sister, his life for hers. And he said, yes. And as they're drawing the blood out, he's just sitting there thinking, I will die so that she can live. Of course, he, he lived, she lived. 
But it's the the beauty of the story is that it draws us to the love of Jesus. It points us to the love and the heart of Jesus. And I think so often we as Christians, we forget of the ultimate sacrifice that Jesus had for you and for me, that he literally did shed his blood for all of us, poured it all out, gave his life for us so that we could be in eternal relationship with him. We can never forget this truth. We can never forget this love that literally gives everything to those around us. His love is so wide. It's so long. It's so high. It's so deep. We can never escape the love of God. The promise for us this morning is that as we read about it, it doesn't have to stay in our heads. But as we read about it, we can have an experience of it in our hearts. That God will show us his love this morning. Let's pray.